As we gather this morning in memory of Darren Bartels, I'd like to begin by reading from Psalm 16. Psalm 16, reading the verses 9 through 11. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. On behalf of Anna and Reuben and Eden and Isaac, Thomas, Joel, the family, the extended family, I want to welcome you uh, to this service where we grieve together the loss of Darren, but where we not only come together to grieve, we come together to remember the life that God gave Darren and also to draw comfort from the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glorious resurrection that lies ahead for all those who believe in him. This past week has been uh, unimaginably difficult for Anna and for the family. And yet over the past week, they've received an incredible amount of love and care and support and prayers. And they wanted uh, me to express their thanks and their appreciation to family, to friends, to customers, clients, to all those who showed such amazing grace and love and support during this difficult time. We're going to begin by singing together from Psalm 23.
be seated. Let's come before God in prayer. Lord God, Father in heaven, we come to you today with hearts that are heavy. As we mourn the passing of a dear brother in Christ. As we think about the loss of Darren, a husband, a father, a son, an uncle, and a friend. Our words seem inadequate. Lord, we know that our times are in your hands, but this sudden and unexpected passing fills our hearts with such pain and such sorrow. Father, we do thank you for Darren, for the blessing that he was to so many, for the gifts that you gave him, for the passion with which he lived, for the example that he set in so many ways. We thank you for his love for Anna and for Reuben, Eden, Isaac, Thomas, and Joel. We thank you for the blessing of family, friends, for those who have helped and supported and prayed during this incredibly difficult time. Be our comfort, Father, in this time of loss and uphold all those who are hurting today. Help us to remember that you are our God of comfort and the great comforter. Be especially close to the family who are so broken by the loss of a husband and a father. Give them your peace and your assurance by your spirit that you are with them throughout all their pain and pour the light of your love into their hurting hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand once more and we're going to sing together the hymn In Christ Alone. Yes. 
Please be seated. We now have an opportunity for some of the family members uh, to offer a few words. I want to begin by inviting forward uh, Reuben Bartels. Thank you all for being here today. Dad was an extremist. He had an extreme love for his wife and children. An extreme love for all things barbecue. An extreme love for speed. And an extremely competitive nature. He had an extreme amount of facial hair. If you ever seen him without a lot of facial hair, it's probably because mom told him that she wouldn't kiss him unless he shaved it off. <laughs> he had an extreme love for spending quality time with the boys, like these fine gentlemen right here. Most importantly, he had an extreme love for Jesus. This love for Jesus showed in every aspect of his life, from the way he treated his family to the way that he conducted his business. Dad led by example. He was extremely opinionated. He believed that every problem had a solution and nearly every solution could be improved upon. Especially in the last year, Dad highlighted to my brothers and I that behind every successful man, there's a God-fearing woman. He often encouraged us to find someone just like our mom. To Eden, he said, Make sure you find a guy who loves Jesus more than he loves you. Dad frequently talked about storing up treasures in heaven. He wanted us to do more than just the bare minimum. He believed deeply that salvation is obtained through grace alone, but always mentioned that faith apart from good works is dead. He wanted each of his children to strive for great reward in heaven. Last week, Friday afternoon, we sang Dad out of this life into the loving arms of his Savior, who, great, who greeted him, saying, Welcome home, good and faithful servant. It is my prayer that each one of us will be greeted by our Creator with those same words. Thank you. Darren, my brother, my boss, the best friend I never knew I had. I'm so sad it took his passing for me to figure that out. Darren was one of a kind. He lived life to the fullest. Read a book, as he'd say, he'd rather live it. Darren had a profound impact on every game he played. 
If you've ever played Settlers of Catan with him or played Hearts with him, you're smiling right now. And if that game was recently, maybe you're still a little upset. That was Darren. I think of Amazing Race this past summer at Chesley Lake or any time he was driving a golf ball, a bike, a sled, carry that over into the business world, that same desire to be first, that same desire to be impactful, to be different, that was Darren's DNA. Simply put, Darren was a game changer. When we were kids, one day in the basement, he was holding my hands, twirling around as quickly as possible um, as my body rotated in circles, around and around. He let go, and uh, I put my tooth through my lip. I still have the scar today. Well, last week, we were doing it again. We were again twirling round and round very fast, and again, he let go. This time, my heart is scarred. God blessed Darren with a very unique gift. Darren was the kind of person that would turn over rocks that other people simply never dreamed of looking at. I've said that many times. I was always blown away by that. Um, whether it was a policy, a procedure, an idea, a strategy, technology, anybody who's worked with Darren knows exactly what I'm talking about. God blessed Darren with tremendous vision and passion, and it's clear why he had half the time. Darren was a passionate man. Those close to him, those that worshipped with him, those that drove around with him, drank coffee with him, those who maybe read his letters that he wrote, those that worked with him, many of you knew that Darren loved Christ-centered, biblical-honoring worship. And reflecting on this, I can assure you that Darren would have loved this worship today. As passionate as Darren was, it is incredible that God worked amazing things through Darren's silent work these past few days, with Darren's sickness being the very vehicle that God used to unite community, to truly and heartfully magnify and flat out worship his awesome name. And I'd say that his zest for change manifested during his time in the hospital, still today, and by God's grace continues tomorrow. From the dozens of children gathered in Jurovinsky for a prayer evening last week, to the thousands that fell on their knees acknowledging the name that is above all names, to the congregation of Darren's loved ones that gathered around Darren's ICU bedside, the nurse summed it up well, in 40 years, I've never seen anything like this, and you're going to see me in the back pew of your church. Darren was a man of many analogies. Darren loved the analogy of looking at his faith as a roadmap. In hindsight, somewhat prophetically, because we don't know how much time we have on this earth. Every day is a gift, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. Darren would say something like, studying the roadmap is important, but only if you're running the race. Be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. You need to hear it, but you must live it. Read the roadmap and run the race. Get traveling. 
Darren would want his funeral to be a deflection pointing upward. Darren would want it to be a clarion call for living more real, for a better perspective, to unite people. Darren would want his death to draw people closer to Jesus. For those that don't know Jesus, Darren would want you to find a Bible-believing church and get living for real. Love and be loved. Live life to the fullest. On your knees, with hands uplifted, and live life today like you'll be meeting Jesus tomorrow. I wish I was more real with Darren. I wish I told him more often how much I loved him, and specifically what I loved about him. But even that feeling is a gift, as I, and likely all of us, reflect on our opportunity to love not only those near and dear to us, but more importantly, all those Jesus calls us to love. To all of Darren's employees, clients, suppliers, friends, relatives, Darren would say, don't worry, God's got this. Performance-driven is a tagline in one of Darren's companies, and I was recently reflecting on this. God created performance. God wrote the book on drive. And just consider, when was the last time the sun flickered, or the earth slowed, or the ground ceased to offer water, yield crops, or produce metals, oils, and other God-breathed elements? God's right arm never fails. God never breaks a promise. God never loses a battle. God never gives up. God never takes a shift off. Or as the Bible says, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Not even a catnap. Now that's performance driven. And so God will finish the work he has started in Ancaster in Ontario, in North America, but God would, sorry, Darren would echo, most importantly, God will finish the work that he loves the most, and that is you. I will miss Darren dearly, even how he cleared his throat, even how he blew his nose. He did it well. I will miss beating him in a race walk through the airport, I will miss his unquenchable zest for living life at full speed. Those close to Darren heard him say, go big or go home. Somebody said it yesterday in the receiving line. That was a Darren line. In typical fa Darren fashion, he did both. Darren, husband, father, son, uncle, brother, boss, best friend, now robed in white, standing face to face with Jesus, his best friend, with a new song on his lips. Darren was also my brother, and for me, he filled that role in a loud, enthusiastic, but also protective way. He was one of a kind. If you knew him, he lived in the moment with such drive and energy, it could sometimes be exhausting. He was strong, stubborn, and to some, a teeny bit scary. He had a deep love for Jesus and a desire to show that love by helping others. 
He was passionate about his wife, his queen bee, his children, his family, his business, and a perfectly cooked steak. For us to imagine the future without him in these massive roles, it quite simply leaves us gasping for air, feeling almost paralyzed. And yet, at the very same time, we have comfort. That doesn't mean we don't feel raw, aching, crushing pain. We do. We all do on various levels, but we cling. We cling to a God that promises he will be our refuge and that we can trust him and he will carry us through these dark days of sorrow. This last week, we've spent a lot of time as a family looking at photos, recalling memories and stories, laughing and crying. Darren was the life of the party, and in fact, if no one else showed up, it was okay, because he was the party. As his baby sister with a 10-year age gap, I have fewer memories of him growing up than the rest of the siblings. However, as adults, we made up for that and spent a lot of quality time together. He loved and he did so generously. He took me to California to visit my sweet sister Melissa for her 40th birthday. He would throw a party at the first hint and throw it as lavishly as possible. We've spent the last three summers visiting the family cottage for a week with the whole clan, Uncle D. He was synonymous with the fun the children would have there. We didn't need to bring a playpen. Uncle D's boat was the playpen. He would have 20 plus kids either in the boat or in the lineup for the boat. We're so thankful to have these good memories to treasure for the years ahead. Today is a day that not one of us could have fathomed a few weeks ago. The weight of the future for Anna, for her children, for all of us is filled with so many questions and so many unknowns, but it drives us to God's word, where we find many words of comfort, but we also find these simple words of instruction in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12, where God's people who were scared and afraid of their future declared, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We love you, Dee, and we will never forget you. Anna, Reuben, Eden, Isaac, Thomas and Joey, family and friends. We thank all of you for your support this last week. We know that God has carried us all through your prayers. If we're going to be honest, none of us standing here would have ever thought that we'd be in this position of saying goodbye to Darren. But God's timing is perfect. 
and he called our dear brother home last week. It brings us great comfort to know that we will be seeing him again. But Darren was much more than our only brother-in-law. He was truly our brother and friend. It's hard to, for us to remember our family without Darren in it. Anna received flowers from Darren at the sweet age of 16. And not too soon after, she said he was coming over for dinner. We all get a good chuckle out of the fact that Darren showed a lot of restraint at the first meal with the family. He took only one meatball when the plate was passed around. We soon just couldn't get enough of this great car-loving guy who dearly loved our sister. Once this relationship became serious, we realized we had our work cut out for us. Bartel's boys typically don't like fishing, playing croquet, or going camping. After countless hours, many weekends, and weekly vacations, we slowly began to turn Darren into an, an alchema. We moved him from the B group to the A group. <laughs> and for a moment, we were quite proud of our work. Uh, hard work. However, our young, energetic protege soon moved from learner to leader of the group. One of his crowning moments occurred at Sandy Bay Cottages when he was given his own custom croquet mallet. Over the many years, we enjoyed numerous family camping trips to Bonaco, cottaging at Rice Lake, and many men's fishing getaways. It never seemed hard to convince Darren to make it out for a trip, and often he was the one organizing the getaway. These trips were full of long fishing days, copious amounts of barbecued steak, and end with cards to the early hours of the morning. We all enjoyed camaraderie and great conversations about family, work, and faith. Darren would often challenge us, saying we could do better. Darren will be remembered for his encouragement to think outside the box to take a second look at why we do what we do. And he was always up for a challenge and enjoyed problem solving. We were blessed to have Darren as a brother. He was also appreciated by his nephews and nieces. On holidays, a line of kids would form on the dock as soon as Darren walked out to his boat. Darren and one of his many co-captains would spend countless hours on his boat taking kids tubing and skiing. His commitment to water sports could not be matched. Last year, after one of the tubes broke, and he got up early the next morning and drove four hours to pick up another tube. And much to the kids' delight, he had the tubes back on the water before noon. Darren loved hosting events at their place. We have fond memories of cooking pigs in the ground, putting something on the barbecue, and playing a spirited game of croquet, or even a game around the kitchen table. We are extremely grateful to God for the man that Darren was 
the husband that he was, the father, the son, the brother, uncle, and friend. All praise be to God. We will move forward in faith, trusting in God's good plans, supporting one another. And what would Darren ask? First, to pray that God will be gracious to Anna, Reuben, Eden, Isaac, Thomas, and Joel, and to Darren's family. And second, to use every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If I can ask you to stand, we're going to sing from Psalm 27.
At this point, I'd like to invite forward Darren's niece, Ava, and his nephew, Sid Elkema Jr. And they are going to read a couple portions of scripture. Ava's going to read a portion from 2 Samuel 12. And it's a portion of the story which describes uh, the story of King David and the loss of his infant son. And this is a passage that was uh, very close, very near and dear to Anna and Darren, those of you who know them know that about 10 years ago, uh, they lost a son. They had a stillborn son whom they named David Paul. David meaning precious, and Paul meaning little, small, because he was small and precious. And these were words uh, which brought them tremendous comfort and encouragement at that time. And we pray that they will offer comfort and encouragement again this morning. I'm going to be reading from 2 Samuel 12, verse 18 to 23. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering amongst themselves, and he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that the child is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. I'll be reading from two passages, uh, first being the first five verses of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers evil assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rises against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Second text is from John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life.
The text that the family has chosen for the service this morning is from 2 Corinthians, specifically the verses 3 through 5. I want to read the verses 1 through 7 together. 2 Corinthians 1, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So far the reading of God's word. Anna, Reuben, Eden, Isaac, Thomas, and Joel. Family, friends. Today, in many ways, we are left at a loss for words. It's difficult to describe the loss of someone like Darren because Darren was someone who had such a huge impact on so many. I was struck yesterday, I was reading... The, the tribute wall online. And I was struck by the fact that there were comments from family, there were comments from friends, there were comments from customers, there were comments from suppliers, there were even comments from competitors. Darren was someone who just threw himself into everything that he did with a hundred percent. It's just kind of the defining characteristic about who he was. As I think about the last week, just spending time with family and with friends, the one word that is continually used to describe Darren is the word big. Darren was, of course, this big man, and he had this big character. He had this big personality about him. I remember them describing how Darren sometimes, when he would just come into a room, there was kind of just this big presence about Darren. They also admitted to me that Darren was known to have a big mouth. And Darren, of course, will be remembered for that big, beautiful beard. But I think above all, Darren is remembered for his big heart. It's been almost a week since Darren unexpectedly passed. And I think we're still left trying to wrap our minds around it. If we're honest, it doesn't seem fair. And we're left with questions of why. Why God? Why Darren? Why, why now? And as family, you are left wrestling with the question of how do you move forward when the hole that, that Darren left behind, it was so, so big. And so this morning in our time together, we are going to turn to God's word. Because when our words fail, his word 
does not. And we're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar, the Apostle Paul was someone who was an incredibly influential character in the early church. He was someone who was a a church planter, he was an evangelist, he was a, a missionary, he was a preacher, he was a teacher, he was someone who traveled the four corners of the Roman Empire telling anyone and everyone he could about the good news of Jesus Christ. But the Apostle Paul is also someone whose life was marked by suffering. The Apostle Paul was someone who faced incredible trials and who faced so much difficulty. If you read the stories about Paul in the New Testament, you discover that he was imprisoned multiple times. He was someone who was beaten multiple times. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was someone who faced hunger. He was someone who faced poverty. He was someone who constantly faced danger. His life was kind of one long trial. And when people looked at Paul, they would sometimes wonder, how do you, how do you go on? Right? How do you endure in the face of such overwhelming hardship? And I think that's what makes this such a, a relevant passage for us to think about this morning. Because as family, you are, you are faced with a, an overwhelming sense of loss. An overwhelming sense of hardship. And we come here seeking just some measure of comfort and some measure of encouragement. Something that in this difficult time allows us to hold on. And the passage that we're looking at today is the passage in terms of the Bible. It is the passage on comfort and encouragement. In the verses that I read this morning, the word comfort or encouragement appears ten times. It's the dominant theme of this passage. And so our prayer is that God, by his Spirit, through this word, would apply some measure of comfort to our lives this morning. Paul begins with these words in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. Paul begins a letter with, with words of praise. Paul begins with adoration. Paul begins a letter with worship. He literally says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you think about the life of Paul and what his life looked like, you're, you're left wondering, how does he do that? Paul would be the last person that we would expect to be in a place where he's ready to worship. If anything, it would be completely understandable if Paul kind of began this letter with a sense of angerness, or a sense of bitterness and anger. From a human perspective, we would not be surprised after everything he's been through for Paul to begin the letter almost kind of shaking his fist at God and saying, God, why, why do you allow these things to happen to me? And I think those are, those are the same questions we struggle with this morning. 
We look at the loss of Darren and we say, God, why? Why do you allow something like this to happen? And the lesson that Paul is trying to teach us by the Spirit is that we need to place our comfort and our encouragement in something that is bigger than our circumstances. And if we truly want to know and discover comfort, a comfort that lasts, it has to be in something that is bigger than life. Paul begins with worship because he knew that he served a God who was holy. Paul begins with worship because he knew that he worshiped a God who was perfectly just. Paul knew that he had a God who was good. He says, God is the Father of compassion. The conviction of knowing that you have a God who is infinitely wise. That's why Paul says in another letter, he says in Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know, we are convicted that in all things, in everything, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul says, I I don't understand the circumstances and I don't understand the trials, but I'm convicted of this, that God is good and that God is in control. You know, I've heard it said this week that life is like a tapestry. And as humans, we we only get to see one side. And what we see is messy. And what we see is threads that are all knotted up and a big, confusing jumble. But God sees the other side. And he is weaving together a perfect pattern. And there is not a single stitch that is out of place. And the difficult thing, the thing that requires faith, is that we don't get to see what God sees. And that can be incredibly difficult. The only way to walk forward is to believe that there is a God who is in control. The only way forward is to believe that there is a God who is sovereign, who rules over all things and all people. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great 19th century pastors, he once said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. And that doesn't mean that the trials are suddenly easy or that they're painless. The suffering and the hurt and the heartache that you feel is real. But the thing that allows you to lay your head down at night is knowing that there is a God who never makes a mistake. Darren's loss is so difficult. difficult because it was sudden and it was unexpected. But it was not unexpected by God. 
In Psalm 139, we read, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God had a perfect plan for Darren's life. And that plan involves 17,390 days. God created Darren, and he created him unique. God created him with that big character, that big personality. God created him with that big heart. God created him to be a loving husband and to be a wonderful father. God created him to be a driven, driven entrepreneur. And from what I hear, God created him with an unquenchable passion for fine food. This was Darren. God created Darren, and God gave Darren's life a purpose. But God also gave Darren's death a purpose. And perhaps you're wondering this morning, you're saying, well, how... How does death have purpose? And the answer to that question is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The answer to that question is the very foundation of the Christian faith. The entire story of the Bible, in a nutshell, is the story of God bringing comfort into a broken world through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you see glimpses of this already in the Old Testament. You see glimpses of this in the the prophecy of Isaiah. I was thinking about Isaiah 61, where Jesus quotes from it in Luke 4, and says this prophecy is speaking about me. And in Isaiah 61, we read these words, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The purpose of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is seen most clearly on a day like today. Jesus says, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. And there are many brokenhearted people here today. Jesus said, I came to comfort those who mourn. Jesus said, I came and I took on human flesh and I came into this broken world. And I went to the cross and I faced the harsh enemy that is death so that I could destroy the power of death. And God the Father called Jesus to walk an incredible road of suffering, an unimaginably difficult road. And the thing that allowed Jesus to walk that road was the knowledge that his Father was good and that his Father was just and that his father was infinitely wise. And for you, Anna, and Reuben, and Eden, and Isaac, 
and Thomas and Joel. God has called you. to walk an unimaginably difficult road. And we have to admit that we don't know what God's will is in this. But because of Jesus, we know that his will is good, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Because of Jesus, we know that God will not abandon us. Because of Jesus... We know that today, death does not have the final say. Because of Jesus, we can say the words of Paul in Romans 8, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so even though you have to let go of Darren today, God will not let him go. And we know that today Darren stands in glory. And Darren has met his Savior face to face. And because of that, even in our grief today, we can say, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the comfort that we have this morning. It's the comfort that cannot be touched by circumstance. It is a comfort that endures throughout this life. It is a comfort that cannot be stolen by death. The only comfort that endures through all things is the comfort of knowing that you belong to God through your Savior, Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you, Darren would want me to ask the question this morning, do you know that comfort? Have you entrusted your life to Jesus Christ? Darren knew that comfort, and it drove him to want to share that comfort with others. Darren knew more and more through his life, Darren knew how good and gracious God had been to him. And, and he wanted to share that goodness and that grace more and more with others. And that's what Paul says will, will, will happen. That is the purpose of God's comfort in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the hope of the gospel. Paul says we have a God who comforts us in all our troubles. And the reason why is so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. The comfort that God gives is intended to be shared with others. It's intended for moments like this. And it is a comfort that God wants us to know is for anyone in any trouble. The hope of the gospel is for days like today where grief is overwhelming. The hope of the gospel is for those who have struggles. The hope of the gospel is for those who have said and done things that they wish they hadn't. 
the hope of the gospel is there. Regardless of your story, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your failures, regardless of your success, the only comfort that endures beyond all circumstances, beyond all life, beyond all death, is the comfort that is found in Jesus Christ. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. See, faith in Jesus Christ involves having your life bound up in his. And that means several things. That means, on the one hand, that because our Savior Jesus Christ suffered, it means that in this life we can expect that we will suffer. It means that because Jesus wept, we know there are times that we will weep. It means that because Jesus was distressed, because his heart was in turmoil over the death of his friend Lazarus, that it's to be expected that we come here and that we are distressed and that our hearts are in turmoil over the loss of Darren. It means that because Jesus walked the road where he had to face the enemy death, that at some point we also have to face the great enemy of death. But because of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, we also can expect a glorious resurrection. And because he lives, we also will live. And because of his righteousness and his holiness and his perfection, one day when we stand before God, we will stand there righteous and holy and perfect. That is the goodness and the grace of God that God offers to all those who trust in Jesus Christ. And I want to be clear this morning that Darren is standing in glory but not because he was an extraordinary person. It's because he had an extraordinary Savior. Darren is in glory this morning, not because of all the things that he did for Jesus, but because of all the things that Jesus did for him. And we have confidence in Darren's eternal destiny because we have confidence in Christ. Darren was a wonderful person but he had weaknesses. Darren had struggles. There were times when he could be quick to judge. There were times where he was outspoken. The family would say Darren wasn't blessed with a, a whole lot of a filter. Often what came in up here quickly came out there. And at times, there were things he said that hurt. And Darren had regrets. I remember Dan was telling me about a meeting that he had with Darren last week, Tuesday, when Darren was in the hospital. And Darren at that time, I think he knew he needed a liver transplant and he'd been thinking about life and he'd been thinking about some of these regrets. He'd been kind of running through his life. And Dan, like a good brother, opened the word with Darren, and he read from James 5. And I just want to share those words. He said, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And in classic Darren style, Darren said, make sure Stevie brings the good oil. But the passage goes on and it says this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And maybe you're wondering this morning and saying, well, we prayed. We prayed. We were on our knees praying for God, to praying to God. And maybe you're saying God didn't make Darren well. I think we need to remember that God did heal Darren. The greatest issue that we face in this life is not the issue of physical health. The greatest issue that each and every person here faces is one of spiritual health. The greatest need that Darren ultimately had in life was not the need for a new liver. It was the need for a new heart. And God, in his grace, by the power of his spirit, gave him that heart. A heart that desired to follow Jesus. And so Darren, day by day, with weakness, with shortcoming, Darren walked and followed the footsteps of his Savior. And as Ruben mentioned last Friday, as we stood around the bedside and as Darren passed into glory, we sang a song, a song we'll hear later, called Well Done. And I love these lyrics. I'm waiting my whole life to hear you say, well done, well done, my good and faithful one. Welcome to the place where you belong. Darren will be missed, but he is home, and he is in the place where he belongs. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are the Father of compassion. You are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And we pray that you would strengthen us during this time of loss, that you would be our hope in this time of sadness, our joy in this time of sorrow, and our perfect peace in the middle of this brokenness. We thank you that the sting of death has been broken forever and the curse of the grave has been destroyed through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have broken forever the power of sin and death and hell and that you have opened the way for us to enjoy life eternal in your presence. Thank you that Darren this morning is enjoying life and life to the full free from sickness, free from sadness, free from the power and the presence of sin. Lord, we grieve this morning. But we do not grieve as those without hope. Instead, we grieve holding to the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. And we pray that you, 
by your spirit would cause many to know and experience the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Father, in life and in death, yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you to invite you to stand. We're going to sing from hymn 65, if you but let the Father guide you.
please remain standing for our closing prayer. Father in heaven, as we prepare to leave this service and to lay the body of our brother Darren to rest, we ask for your grace and your spirit to rest upon us. We ask you to walk with the family, to strengthen, encourage, and uphold them, and to pour your love upon them. We thank you for the opportunity that we had to be together this morning, to grieve together, but also to worship together. We thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for the gift of the body of Christ, which has been experienced so powerfully over the past week. We thank you for friends, for customers, for suppliers, for people from all different walks of life who have showed such compassion. And we pray that you would teach us and use us to comfort others as we have opportunity. Bless us as we go from here. Bless the fellowship that we will enjoy later on this afternoon. Bless the food which will be prepared. Even in our grief, Allow us to see your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing song this morning is going to be It Is Well With My Soul. Um, Before we sing that, I just want to make one announcement. For those uh, parked in the overflow lot who are coming uh, to the cemetery, we would like to give them priority to the shuttle so that they're ready to go. So for those who are in the overflow parking lot and who would like to go to the cemetery, we'd like them to have priority when it comes to the shuttle leaving after the service. Thanks.